Hello and welcome to the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. This is episode 29. We'll be talking matches from Friday the 16th through Thursday the 22nd of April. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. Joining me will be co-host Person Noob, chiming in on the countdown and other duties. Hello! Now the 10 to Track, what exactly does that mean? Well, we do many previews on the 10 most important matches taking place in the world as we define them. Now, typically that's going to be uh, first versus second place matchups from the top leagues of various countries, but not just the biggest countries in the world. We will go to any nation and any federation for that one versus two matchup. If it's important where it's being played, we're often covering it right here and maybe nobody else you'll ever listen to does. Now, we also do include uh, international matches, FA Cup and League Cup stuff too. We try to cover it all. We also do a little bit of food, a little culture, a little trivia. We try to learn about the world as we learn about footy. So, with no further ado, let's get started with... March number one! And let's start right off by welcoming back Major League Soccer. MLS, you have been missed. Uh, this is largely considered to be the uh, second best uh, league in CONCACAF. Folks in Costa Rica might have had a credible argument about that maybe a couple of years ago, but I think it's safe to say that the American League is now the stronger one, second only to Mexico's top league, Liga MX. Uh, each conference winner this year, the East and West, um, and the Supporter Shield winner, the team that has the best overall record, all three of those are going to get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League next year. That's how they disperse their international berths. The next four teams in each conference uh, will go to sort of a high-end friendly tournament against some Mexican clubs in what is called the League's Cup. I believe that'll be the second iteration of that. And then in all, the top seven from each conference will make the uh, overall league playoffs. Also worth noting, the match we're going to talk about is going to be on ESPN Plus at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The matchup. It is the Canadian Classique, Montreal versus Toronto. Now, even though we just went over the international berths, uh, interesting side note, of course, these two teams have to qualify through the Canadian Championship uh, because they're, of course, not American. So they have to go their own way. They don't qualify through uh, league MLS play no matter where they finish. In terms of this particular derby, Toronto leads the all-time series 29-12. and 12. A little bit about each. Montreal, now big news for them, they have rebought branded this year. They're no longer known as Montreal Impact. You may now refer to them as uh, Montreal Club de Foot, going after a little bit more of a French feel, it would seem. Uh, what's interesting about that to me is that despite the fact that the name now seems uh, more about the French heritage. Uh, the Fleur de Lis, previously when they were in the Impact, was incredibly prominently displayed displayed in the crest. It was the main feature. There are still a couple of Fleur de Lis, Fleur not sure the plural there, on the crest, but they are very, very tiny. Now, instead, there's a large uh, snowflake representation as a sort of an odd or homage to uh, the fact that Montreal hosted the 1976 Olympics. Uh, Thierry Henry, the former superstar world football player who had been managing them, he retired in February, by the way. So now he has been uh, replaced by one of his assistants, Wilfried Nancy. More fun news for Montreal. Thank you so much, COVID, for always making things much more difficult than they need to be. And this is actually going to be true for both teams. They're both not to, going to get to play in their official home stadiums for a while. Montreal are going to start uh, their season playing at the same stadium as Inter-Miami, which won't even be in Miami because that stadium is still being built. So both the teams are going to be playing in a stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, it all sounds nice to me. Best CONCACAF Champions League finish that Montreal has ever had. Take a look at them historically. Uh, they finished in second place. That was in 2014-15. Last year, not their strongest year. They only finished in ninth place. That was good enough to make the play-in round of the playoffs last year. You'll note that the format is different this year. And they lost in the uh, sort of play-in round uh, at New England. Uh, 
statistically, they were actually better than average on offense, tied for fifth. Uh, defense was the real problem. Number 14 there, one of the worst ones in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they gave up nearly two goals per match. But it looks like they're trying to shore that up because they have picked up a designated player. That's somebody who they can play a lot more than the other players, and they have a limited number of slots for that per Major League Soccer team. Uh, their new captain is Victor Wanyama. He is a defensive midfielder, 29 years old. He also camped at, captains the Kenyan national team. And uh, his resume looks just fine. Montreal's got to be very pleased with the money spent on him uh, because from 2016 through last year, he had made 69 appearances for uh, Premier League's Tottenham Hotspur. Now, on the other side of the ball, Toronto, they are going to start their season at Orlando City's stadium. Uh, their best international finish uh, ever was in 2018 Champions League. They finished second place, so neither of these teams has quite pulled off hosting the trophy in that one. Uh, let's see, they won the Supporter Shield, best overall record, and the MLS Cup, the playoffs, in 2017. Last year, they finished in second place in the East. Looked like things were going very well. But then of all teams, they lost in the first playoff round in added extra time, dramatic finish to upstart expansion team Nashville of all clubs. Uh, last year, the statistics was statistics were pretty good. This was a tough team um, to finish number two because they were only tied for fifth on offense and number six on defense. Not bad, but their goal differential uh, didn't belie where they ended up in the standings. Uh, they are captained, as longtime footy fans will know, by Michael Bradley, central midfielder, a veteran, 33 years old. In fact, he is captained and may still do some more captaining of uh, the U.S. men's national team. Uh, his international international resume, very impressive. He's been all over Europe, uh, Roma and Serie A, uh, Chievo over there, Aston Villa, uh, Borussia and Gladbach in the Bundesliga. In any case, it looks to be a whale of a matchup. Great to start off the year on a wonderful derby and good luck to both teams from Canada. Match number B. Thank you for reminding us all, dearest daughter, person noob, as you do every week, that ugh, number two is uncouth. It's bathroom talk. Here, team noob, we stand number B. All right, that said, let's look at the Liga MX race. This is the number one league in our federation. Uh, they're in the Clausura, or closing stage of their soccer year right now, and there are only three matches left in the regular season. Now, the top two from each of the two stages get to go on to the CONCACAF Champions League next year. The top 12 teams, speaking domestically, each stage get to go to the league's playoffs, or the Liguilla. Now, your matchup, and it is a doozy, number B, Club America are taking on number one, Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul leading the table by two right now. Uh, America in turn uh, lead by nine over number three, Monterey. So this is definitely down to a two-horse race for the trophy. Now, interesting side note, America would be ahead by one point, but uh, earlier in the season in a different match, they fielded an ineligible player, and they had those three points taken away. Naughty, naughty Club America. In any case, that's okay with us because we heart Cruz Azul. Persanoob has declared to her team, and as a decent father, I have to go along with her. Uh, both these teams are from Mexico City, so this is a derby. It's called El Clasico Joven. It's a really fun one because Cruz Azul are very much considered to be a working class team, whereas Club America is very much more representative of the wealthy. It's considered an upper, upper class club. Now, a little bit about each. We'll start with Club America. Uh, they are both the most loved and hated club in all Mexico. Not only do they spend a lot of money, so they're sort of the Yankees, but they spend the vast majority of that money on foreign players and managers, and that just uh, gives the locals reasons to throw sticks and stones from all over the country. Yet, their fans embrace that. I believe that the American version of this uh, particular chant that they do is, they hate us because they ain't us. Uh, the uh, Mexican version for them is, Odeame uh, mas, which simply means, hate me more. Uh, they've won the most league titles in Mexico, so they've... Uh, They've earned that attitude, quite frankly, 13 times. Last time they won it was the 2018 Apertura. They've also won the Champions League seven times, which is the most of any club, not just in Mexico, but in the entire federation. Last time they did that was 2015-16. Uh, this year, 
Defense has been good, but it's their offense that's number one in the league. And their most uh, prolific score is forward uh, Henry Martin. Uh, you'll also want to watch out for assist man Richard Sanchez. I believe he is number one in the league, or at least in the top ten. Take that rank with a grain of salt. He's a midfielder from Paraguay. But enough about those clowns. P-Noob's club and my club, Cruz Azul, this year. They're known as the Machine and the Cement Makers. Fun fact, they're also the only club in Mexico with an official cheerleading squad. Kind of fun. Now, they do very well internationally, having won the Champions League uh, six different times. Last time was 2013-14. But I say it sort of with those implied air quotes around internationally. I want to point that out because when it comes to domestic play, league play, they're very much considered like uh, the Chicago Cubs or the Boston Red Sox back in the day. Considered to be a cursed team. No matter that they've been winning internationally, they can never, ever quite seem to win the league in any of the stages. Uh, one of the fun stories behind that, some say that there's a doll, a voodoo doll, sort of buried somewhere under the pitch and that Cruz Azul will never win a league title in somebody, unless somebody finds it. Well, maybe somebody's been doing some digging because they are swinging the number three offense in the league this year and have the number one defense in the league working for them this time around. Uh, our heroes tied for fifth in the league in scoring is Jonathan Rodriguez. He's a forward from uh, Uruguay and setting him up. And this is the guy who's number one in the league in that department. It comes to me now, Luis Romo. And what's fun about that is he plays center back or sometimes defensive midfielder. I always like it when those guys who play traditionally defensive positions are getting in on some kind of offensive stats. Good times. But it's going to be better times when Cruces will get this road win and all but seal up the regular season title. Tell him like it is, noob child. Go Cruz Azul! Booyah! Match number three. We're still on Saturday on the calendar, and we're still on this side of the pond. Let's head back into MLS, because we have a brand new baby in the family. LAFC, not the newest baby, but not all that grown up, is taking on brand new Austin FC. Congratulations, MLS, on your new market. And Austin, for once again, uh, dipping your toes, or actually maybe this time, just diving full on into professional soccer. Uh, this game is going to be in on uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time on Fox nationally, by the way. A little bit about each team, LAFC. Unofficially, I believe they're known as the Falcons. Uh, they're coached by Bob Bradley, which I might not necessarily mention. I don't usually say too much about managers, but he's the father of uh, Toronto FC's player captain, Michael Bradley, that we just mentioned in match number one. Uh, 2019 was the big year for this relatively new club. They won the Supporters' Shield. Uh, last year, though, they were only uh, seventh in the West. And then in the uh, playoffs, they lost to uh, eventual MLS Cup runners-up uh, Seattle in the very first round. Number one on offense, and that's probably not going to change this year. They can score like a house of fire, but the defense was below average. Still, fun team to watch, largely because of, and probably the most prolific scorer in the entire league, Carlos Vela, Mexican national, plays winger. A lot of international experience. Spent 2012 through 18 with... Uh, Real Sociedad in La Liga in Spain, which uh, UEFA considers the number one league in uh, in Europe, and thusly we can consider it the number one league in the world. And Vela was also with the national team in Mexico, played for them through 2018. Now, the fun part, the new baby, Austin. In the tiniest of nutshells, here's how their team got there. Uh, the Cleveland Browns ownership just bought the Columbus crew, and that saved that team from being moved to Austin. Anthony Precourt was the guy who was going to be move it, moving it, but since he sold the team, he is now getting an expansion club there in Austin. And a fun, interesting side note, uh, actor Matthew McConaughey is a part owner. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, by design, that was the worst Matthew McConaughey impersonation uh, you're ever going to get. And yes, uh, Noob's shirt is still on. Uh, this is hardly Austin's first foray into professional soccer. In fact, <laughs> the, guy, the guy who owns the Austin Bold, which is currently in the second tier, the USL Championship. Oh, is he mad that there's now an MLS club in town? This is going to hurt his bottom line big time, I would think. Uh, they've also been home in the past historically a couple different times to a team that's been called the Austin Aztecs. Uh, the more prominent of them, the first iteration ended up moving to Orlando and they became the MLS franchise that is now based there, Orlando, Orlando City. 
On the field, the one player that I know that you can watch out for, I believe he is their uh, newly tendered captain from Finland, Alexander Ring. Midfielder, 30 years old. If his name is familiar to you, it's because you might be following things in the Eastern Conference. He was with NYCFC the last three seasons, and he happened to uh, rep the uh, national team for Finland up until 2018. Match number four. It's another Saturday match, and it's another Copa del Rey final, the 2020-2021 version. Now I say another that particular way, because two weeks ago they had the long COVID-delayed 2019-2020 version of it. So this time they're getting the undelayed 2021 final taken care of. You can watch it on ESPN Plus, 3.30 Eastern, should you desire. Uh, the winners will be in line for a Europa League berth, and that's uh, probably not going to apply to one of the teams, but could apply to the other. Your matchup, Athletic Bilbao, the team that could really use any kind of international berth, versus Barcelona, which are almost certainly going to be going to the Champions League in any case. This is known as the Other, or El Viejo Clasico. Barcelona has won uh, or won the only matchup in league play so far this year between these two teams, three to one at home. Um, Athletic Bilbao, they just lost in the uh, 2019-2020 final here in Seville two weeks ago to the other Basque country team, Real Sociedad. That was the first ever Basque derby. Uh, let's see a little bit about each team. Athletic Bilbao, they are known as the Lions, again, from northern Spain, considered Basque country. And they're a team that has something in place called a Cantera policy. I don't know the exact meaning of the word, but I can tell you that the policy means that they only have players on their club who are from Basque country, which is largely northern Spain. It can be uh, nearby uh, southern France uh, and some other areas in and around the Pyrenees. Uh, this is the fourth most successful team historically in Spain, and there's another word that I emphasize that particular way because Spain has a long and storied history in soccer, and you've got to go back a few decades to find uh, Athletic Bilbao's uh, the last time that they were really terribly good. They haven't won any league or cup titles since the 1980s. Uh, currently, they are number 11 in the league. Just seem to have trouble closing things out because their stats are better. They've got really a very average offense and defense, yet there they are in the table, just a little bit below average. Uh, to qualify for this final, they beat Levante of La Liga 1-1 at home, and then in very dramatic fashion, in added extra time, uh, won the second leg of the semifinal 1-2. Player to watch for has been in this event, uh, on the scoring leaderboard, Raul Garcia. He's a veteran, 34 years old, a midfielder, and uh, he used to be with Atletico Madrid, stronger modern club, and he was there from 2007 to 15. So that's a guy who knows how to win. If Bilbao are going to win, I think he's going to have to score at least once. Meanwhile, your favorites, Barcelona, number three in the league right now. Number one offense by lots. They score over two goals per match, and they got a top four defense as well. Uh, they also had a dramatic route in getting here. They lost 0-2 on the road to Sevilla and then won 3 to nothing and added extra time to get here to the final. Man to watch for. Uh, they're going to get their offense. I think the goalkeeping is going to be key. Uh, Mark andre Ter Stegen from Germany is the man to watch, in my opinion. This is really one of the world's best goalkeepers, and yet being from Germany because he's behind a guy named Manuel Neuer, uh, he doesn't get to start very much for the national team. In the typically German style, he is a sweeper-keeper. If you watch the game, uh, be sure to be looking out for when he's coming off his line all the time, uh, charging up to beat... Uh, uh, to get to offensive players who have beaten the defensive traps. Not every goalie plays that way. Uh, he came up through uh, from his home country and played for, in his senior years, the Borussia M. Gladbach club, but he's been with Barcelona since 2014. And we have the USA connection, just 20 years old, playing fullback, Serginho Dest. He had been with Ajax previously in the Netherlands. Uh, he is a USMNT player despite his young age. And in November in the Champions League against Dynamo Kiev, he became the first ever American player to score a Champions League goal for Barcelona. Very nice. Match number five. This is your final Saturday matchup for this week's podcast, and this is going to be a tough one to find, well, really any matchup for this league probably find on TV stateside. Nevertheless, there is one heck of a race brewing halfway through the season in the Championnat National, 
of the African nation of Guinea. Pretty darn good. They're rated as uh, the number seven league in all of Africa. Uh, now, you've heard me talk about this before, uh, but I'll mention it again. There's really the top six teams in Africa, or top six league associations, I should say. And then there's a bit of a gap. So Guineas is really the best of the rest. And moving on up. Now, because they're in the top 12, they get two Champions League berths for Africa and then two Confederation Cup berths. That's their version of the Europa League. And the league race, as I mentioned, it's a doozy. Three clubs are within three points of the leaders. Not only that, but lurking way back in the pack, but always dangerous are Haroya. They have six matches in hand. They've only played a little bit more than half as many as most of the other teams, largely because of their international play. Some of their domestic matches uh, tend to get postponed. Uh, extrapolating their average points per game, this would probably, Haroya would probably be the number four team in the league right now at worst. And I say at worst because Haroya are the five-time defending champs. So these teams are looking to score all the points they can in the hopes of holding them off. The teams in question, number one, Wakraya, W-A-K-R-I-Y-A, hope I'm getting that right, versus S-A-O-R Koya, and they are in the second position in the table. Uh, S-O-A-R trail by one, but they have a match in hand, so really in a way this could be considered your number one team. A little bit about each of our combatants, uh, Wakraya or Wakria. Uh, they are from uh, the city of Boke, which is a northwest port town in Guinea, which, by the way, if you don't happen to be familiar, is uh, sort of on the uh, southern side of the Horn of Africa there on the, uh, the northwest part of the continent. Uh, it's a city of about 70,000, to give you some perspective. Uh, internationally, one time they did make the Champions League. That was in their last, uh, the league's, I believe, last complete season, 2018-19. I think, grain of salt, that their 2019-2020 season got canceled for COVID. Never won a league title that I've been able to find record of. Uh, best domestic finish, they were the runners-up for their nation's FA Cup in 2018. Uh, let's see, and uh, their best league finish was 2018-19. They finished number five. Uh, this year right now, they're on a 3-0-2 streak. Very interestingly, you've got to wonder if they just uh, fell asleep for a trap game or if it's their defense finally really getting the best of them because they just lost a match to last place Satellite, 1-3. to three. They lost at home to the bottom dwellers. Now this team, they can score like nobody's business. Two goals per match, number one in the league. But they are ninth place in defense out of just 14 teams in this league. Woof. In any case, let's take a look at our other ones. The challengers, S-O-A-R, Koya. Uh, Koya is the name of the town they're from. It's in the southwest part of the country, near the coast. A little bit of that area actually touches it. Uh, probably about 90,000, and it's the capital of a prefecture of the same name. Uh, you'll notice I spell out S-O-A-R instead of simply pronouncing it. It stands for, deep breath and get ready for bad French, Super Olympique Dune Afrique Renaissance or Renaissance. I don't know with that E on the end. Uh, they used to be known as Club Olympique Koya, which is a little bit easier to say. Um, I'm just going to call them Koya. So there we have it. Never won a league title I could find record of. In fact, and that's not too surprising, they just got promoted to Division I play in 2016-17. Uh, in the 18-19 season, they did very well, finished number four. Uh, right now, they're on a 1-1-3 one, one, streak. They had been on a three-game slide, and I believe they got a win and a draw and then in their last two. And they have the second-best offense and defense in Guinea. Should shake out as a great race. Never quite know why we started using that sounder. Nevertheless, uh, the sound of person noob imitating our kitties, the three mews, means that it is time to take a pause from our current tracking of the coming week's matches and actually do what we purport to do. That is, track. Here's a recap of last week's 10 to track results. On Friday, we went to the United Arab Emirates for their League Cup final, Shabab Al-Ali. They managed to beat Al Nasir for the trophy. They won nil-nil and then 5-4 on penalty kicks. Interesting side note, not sure how often this happens. Both teams missed their first penalty kick. Kind of fun. Anyway, Saturday, match number B was an international friendly. The women's teams from Sweden and USA got together in Stockholm, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Match number three from La Liga in Spain. I thought that this was Barcelona hosting Real Madrid, but it was the other way around. Number three, Real Madrid hosted number B, Barcelona and the result was a Real Madrid 2-1 win. 
match number four, we went to the AFC Champions League for a quarterfinal. Fulad was taking on uh, Al Ain. Those countries are from Iran and the UAE, respectively. And Fulad will be the one going on to the Champions League. They put a hurtin' on Al Ain, four to nothing. Player named Luciano Pereira had a brace. Match number five, Sunday, we went to the Austrian Bundesliga, where we had number B, a Rapid VN, taking on number one RB Salzburg. And Salzburg came away with the road win, handily nil three. Kareem Adeyeme had a brace and scored both of his goals in the 90th minute. Salzburg now lead at the table by seven. That race is now all but over. Match number six, we went to Madagascar's Pro League of All Places, number B, A.S. Adema, taking on number one, uh, Ejasaya, I'm going to pronounce it, and the result was A.S. Adema winning two to nothing, and so they have now taken over the number one slot in the Malagasy table. Match number seven was a Tuesday match. We went to the UEFA Champions League. It was a quarterfinal, the second leg. Uh, Bayern went to PSG and won the match nil-one. But congratulations are in fact due to PSG. They will advance to the semifinals having won on aggregate 3-3. The tiebreaker was away goals scored. Match number eight, the CONCACAF Champions League in their round of 16. Second leg match between Cruz Azul and Arkai of Haiti of all places, believe it or not. And the upstart Haitian team actually got a nil-nil draw in the first leg. But in Mexico City, it went very much the other way. Cruz Azul absolutely put the hammer down. 8-0. Walter Montoya had a brace, and they will be advancing to the quarterfinals. Match number nine, UEFA Women's 2022 Europeans qualifying final. Number 32, lowest-seeded Northern Ireland facing off against number 17, Ukraine. Uh, Northern Ireland pulled the upset 2-0, and in fact, they also pulled the upset in the first league. They get to advance to the competition proper in 2022, and they will easily be the lowest-seeded team there, having won 4-0 on aggregate. Wednesday, match number 10, we visited the Syrian Premier League. Number one, Tishreen, taking on number B, Al Jaish. The result was a 1-1 draw. So Tishreen's lead is five in the table with just three matches to go in the regular season. And then our bonus matches with explanations on these names coming a little bit later. The route of the week. We went to Croatia's first football league. Number 10, last place, Lokomotiva, taking on number one, Dynamo Zagreb. And it was Dynamo winning nil to two. No real surprise there. Then the most meaningless match in the world. We went to the Premier League of Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, for a Tuzla derby. Number seven, FK Tuzla City, taking on number eight, Sloboda. Uh, Sloboda, rather, Tuzla, and the result was a city win, 1-0. They climb all the way up to uh, equally nearly meaningless number six on the table. And then finally, your match of disappointment was another Sunday match. We went to Gambia, the GFA League First Division. It was last place Banjul taking on number 13, Talandeg. And the last place guys actually climbed up the second to last with 1-0 win. And so that concludes our recap from last week's matches. Now let's jump back into the current week's tracking with... Match number six. And now we're on to Sunday and off back to Europe. UEFA's Women's Champions League is going on, specifically the quarterfinals. And this is leg two of a two-match tie between Lyon of France's League One and PSG, of course, from the same league. Uh, Lyon won the first leg on the road 0-1. Now, I've already previewed these teams two different times on this show. And if you follow women's football at all, you certainly know Lyon and you probably know PSG very, very well. So rather than trot out the same tired old information, once a podcast, I like to bring out some culinary information because part of the fun for me for doing this and for my daughter is we not only learn about soccer, but we learn about the world through soccer, art, architecture, music, geography, history, geopolitics, whatever you have. I uh, also happen to like food. So uh, from Lyon, if you uh, care to make a traditional snack from there for this game, and I'm going to butcher the French French pronunciations probably, so uh, bear with me, but it's uh, called Cervelle uh, or Cervelle de Canut, C-A-N-U-T. This is a cheese spread or a dip, and it's a specialty of that area. Uh, the dish's base is uh, made of tip, traditionally uh, fromage blanc, white cheese, and it's seasoned with uh, a variety of chopped herbs, uh, shallots, salt and pepper, 
olive oil, and vinegar. And what's kind of fun about this is that literally translates the name to Silk Worker's Brain. Can you imagine a stranger name? You know, it's a really soft, creamy cheese. So I get what they're going for there. Uh, the thing is that this was a uh, dish that was popular, certainly if not before, in the 18th century in Lyon. And that particular name uh, was used by affluent members of the community for this dish to kind of show their disdain for uh, the weaving workers of Lyon and that where they were working the uh, Jacquard uh, looms. So it was just a way to sort of make fun of them that they were uh, eating their brains, I guess. Maybe you got to be French to get it. I don't know. If you do make this, only make enough to eat right away or get it in the fridge fast because fromage blanc is a fresh cheese. It can spoil quickly, just like cottage cheese or cream cheese, things in that part of the cheesy family, if you will. All right. And competing with that for snack of the podcast, I guess, uh, a Parisian favorite and beyond Paris, to be honest, but is Volovent, V-O-L hyphen A-U hyphen V-E-N-T. Hope I'm getting that right. It literally translates to wind blown. Uh, this is a puff pastry. It can come in a variety of sizes. It's a small hollow case that if you know it by a more uh, English or American name, you might uh, hear this as a uh, patty case. Uh, in France, and particularly in Paris, this is served traditionally as an appetizer that you can see much larger ones that could be full meals for multiple people. Uh, it's a really small snack when they make it in Paris, typically, and it is filled with uh, minced chicken or fish. Uh, I think I'll... I gotta be honest, I'm not big on the texture for the minced. I think I'll stick with the... Uh, I think I'll stick with the weaver's brains from Lyon. Match number seven. This one still keeps us in the weekend. It is the Netherlands KNVB or FA Cup final. Uh, who's been participating in this particular country? It's the top four uh, leagues teams plus 24 district semifinalists. Uh, the final is going to be at a neutral site, Rotterdam, and a Europa League berth is on the line. And this event was canceled last year, so I'm sure everybody's extra excited. Your final matchup is Ajax versus Vitesse. Uh, Ajax won the only time that they played so far this year in league play, 2-1. to one. Uh, Ajax, they beat SC Hirenveen 0-3 in the semifinal in order to advance. Uh, in league play, they're number one by far. They're 11 points up on PSV Eindhoven right now and probably uh, close to 80% of the way through their season. Number one on offense. This might be the most prolific scoring team of all the fairly big leagues in all of Europe. They score over three times per match. And then to boot, they have the number one defense of the league, letting in less than one goal per match. Uh, their superstar, tied for number five in league scoring, and he's number one in the six, is Dusan Tadish, a veteran, 33 years old, or 32 rather, forward from Serbia. If you know his name, then you may be a Southampton fan. He played for that Premier League side from 2014 to 18. And they also boast the number three goalkeeper statistically in the league from Cameroon. It is Andre Onana. And I think he's going to get to play. He's currently in the process of an appeal, for better or for worse for him, getting a 12-month ban for doping, uh, ferrosamide, which he said he accidentally took his wife's medicine. Andre, I really hope that's the case, but the courts and time will tell. Meanwhile, Vitesse, uh, that translates to speed, so that's a fun name. They're from the town of Arnhem, which is in the east-central part of the country, uh, well over 150,000. Uh, they didn't have quite as tough a road to get here. In the semifinal, they had to beat a fairly weak side, at least as far as league play goes, VVV Venlo. They beat them 2-0. Uh, this team is having a decent league season. They're number four. Uh, they've already gotten enough points. They're at least going to get to make uh, the Europa Conference League. That is the new upcoming tertiary international tournament behind the Europa League in Europe. Uh, let's see. Internationally, uh, two Europa League qualifying finishes, though those were all the way back in the 90s. They did make the group stage in 2017-18. Uh, they've got five league runners-up finishes. But oh my goodness, how far back do you have to go since they even sniffed the possibility of a league trophy? 1914-1915 was the last season in which they managed that. Uh, this year, they've got the number five offense running. Their bread is buttered on defense. They've got the second best one. Uh, their best overall offensive player, one of them, on the leaderboard for assists. They've got two guys that are tied, but the one I wanted to mention was Osama Tanane. He's from Morocco. He's a winger. He came up through the Dutch system, but you might 
mo- you'd most likely know him actually from his League One play in France with Saint Etienne. And they've also got the number one goalkeeper in the league right now, Remco Pasveer. He has spent his entire career in the Netherlands, even though he is a long-in-the-tooth veteran at 37 years old. Match number eight. All right, new bites. You get Monday and Tuesday off for sort of a 10-to-track footy weekend, if you will. And then on Wednesday, we are back into it. Match number eight takes us back to America, the NWSL, the Americans' top professional league for the gals. Uh, depending on how uh, you like your steak cooked, so to speak, this is considered somewhere from the number one to number three league in the world. If you like it well done, by which I mean depth and ability, top to bottom for all the clubs, the NWSL is the way you want to go. Uh, the very, very best teams in the world world probably are more likely to reside uh, in France and Germany, however, so they could make an argument for the number one spot as well. The NWSL, how are they structuring this season? Because they had a very strange one last season. They did something called the Challenge Cup last year, and they're going to uh, reiterate that again this year. So they're starting the season with that. The 10 teams in the league are dividing into two groups. Uh, they'll each, uh, each group will have a single round robin, and then there will be a playoff and a challenge for the champions or the challenge cup. And then the regular season will begin and they're going to do a 24 match regular season this year. Last year, it was much shorter. Uh, this isn't the first match for either of these teams, but this looked to be the first, uh, great regional derby. So it's the one I wanted to pick out Portland third. Portland Thorns, there we go, taking on O.L. Rain, and that's going to be on, on CBS SN at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. A little bit about each. Uh, Portland, this is the best intended team in the entirety of the NWSL historically. They've had a fair amount of success, as you might imagine. They've won the uh, playoffs and therefore been the overall champion twice, once in 2013, once in uh, 2017. They also had the best overall record in the league, even though they didn't win the playoffs that year, in 2016, winning the Supporters' Shield. Uh, They lost in the 2020 Challenge Cup semifinals to uh, the eventual champions, uh, Houston Dash. And then after that, there was just a four-match fall series. That was basically the regular season, and uh, Portland happened to win that. This year, they beat Kansas City 2-1 on their own home turf in the opening match, and then they went on the road and beat Chicago uh, Red Stars 0-1. So they are off to a fantastic start in the Challenge Cup. Meanwhile, O.L. Rain, if that doesn't sound familiar to you, it probably shouldn't. This used to be Seattle Rain, hence the reason I refer to this as the Northwest Derby. Uh, they uh, were Seattle, of course, but now the moniker has changed because they are now owned by the same folks that are the parent ownership group for uh, Lyon over in France's League One. They're actually going to open their season Friday night versus Houston Dash, uh, but at podcast uh, recording time, I did not have uh, the final score for that one. Uh, they won the Supporters' Shield in both 2014 and 15. Didn't manage to win the playoffs either of those two years, uh, nor have they ever done so. Last year, they lost in the Challenge Cup in the first playoff round to Chicago, and in the fall series overall, they finished seventh out of the nine teams that were in the league last year. This year, they have expanded to ten. Match number nine. This one moves us to the other side of the pond, but keeps us on the women's side of the action. We're headed to the FAWSL for match number nine. That is the Women's Super League, the top flight in England for the gals. Uh, Very strong league. They get two Champions League second round berths and one Champions League first round berth as things stand right now. There's only three matches to go in their regular season, so this is going to have just about everything to do with who ends up getting to hoist the trophy at the end of the year. The matchup is number B, Manchester United, taking on number one, Chelsea FC women. Now, these two all but have the top two spots already secured. Uh, Chelsea leading the table by two right now, and they won the first match two to one at their own place. This time, it's Manchester United's turn to play host. They have made the last five Champions Leagues, and their best two finishes were actually the first two years they qualified. They made the semifinals. Uh, this year, they got stopped in the quarterfinals by Spain's top team, I believe, uh, Barcelona. They've won the league title one time in England. That was in 2016. Uh, but they are also the two-time defending FA Cup champs, so not too shabby. And their statistics, uh, more than not too shabby. They win by an average score of 3 to nothing. Best offense in the league and defense. They score over three goals per match, and they let in less than one every other match on average. 
They've got a uh, treasure trove of great players. Uh, the ones I'll highlight here, number five league scorer, Ellen White, a veteran forward, 31 years old, uh, trying to do her best to come back and haunt uh, her former Chelsea teammates. She started her career with the Chelsea organization. Also, number one in league assists, a uh, much younger player, 23 years old, striker Chloe Kelly. And then we have three different uh, USA connections, uh, a defender with whom I wasn't familiar at all, Abby Dahlkemper. She spent the last three seasons with the uh, North Carolina Courage in the NWSL. Rose Lavelle, uh, much more familiar to me from the women's national team play in particular, midfielder, and she spent the last two seasons with the uh, Washington, D.C. Spirits team. And then Sam Mewis, she plays midfielder as well. She also, like Miss Dahlkemper, spent her last three seasons with the NC Courage. Meanwhile, Chelsea, they have also qualified for the last five Champions Leagues. They're still alive. They just put a hurting on Wolfsburg out of Germany, which for a while has been the best team in Germany. They beat them 5-1 to one on aggregate to advance to the semifinals there. Um, Wolfsburg has been the best team in Germany for a long time, but they've been passed by Bayern, which is important here because that's who Chelsea will get next. They get to start a two-legged tie with them in the semifinals on the 25th this month. Domestically, they have won three league titles and are the current defending champions. They boast the number one scorer in the league. She almost scores one goal per match just on her own, and that is Sam Kerr, the veteran superstar from Australia. She plays forward. Uh, she has spent a fair amount of time on the U.S. side of things. She, uh, between 2015 and 19, was with Sky Blue in New Jersey, which is now the New York, New Jersey, Gotham City rebranded team, or maybe not City in there, but Gotham at the very least. She's also the Australian Women's National Team's all-time leading scorer. Part of the reason for that, on top of being so good is because, partially because of course she's so good, is she got to make her start very early. She debuted with them when she was 15 years old was all. Think about what you were doing when you were 15. I know I wasn't doing anything that impressive, certainly. Not sure I am now. Anyway, number three in assists, also another name to look for, Fran Kirby. And they've got a gal who is tied for number one in the goalkeeping statistics category. She's already hit double digits for clean sheets on the year. And Katrine Berger out of Germany, 30-year-old veteran. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Well, we still have our three super fun matches to go. Here we are at our last official match of the Tenda Track, and it takes us to South Korea's K League One. Now, there were tons and tons of uh, number one versus number B matchups all over the world, and I had a really fun, hard time deciding which ones to go to and which not to. Usually, I tend to lean towards leagues that are closer to being completed since we won't get to see those teams for many months. But the South Korean K-League one is just, this was just too good a matchup. Uh, this is the number five league rated in the AFC. They get one Champions League group stage berth, and then they get two that get entry into the playoff round. The matchup is number B, uh, Ulsan Hyundai versus number one, and I was mispronouncing this last year's Jeonbuk, Jeonbuk uh, FC. Getting a little bit better as time goes on. In any case, uh, Jean-Buc lead at the table by three right now. Uh, Ulsan in turn lead uh, Song Nam by five. And that's probably going to hold up. These have for a while really been your best two teams in the league. Nevertheless, a little bit about each. Ulsan Hyundai, uh, they are in the southeast part of the country. This is the eighth biggest city in the country, and it is absolutely the industrial capital. They have uh, roughly 1.1 million people in the area and uh, very well-to-do. The highest median income in the country is in this area. So it's sort of blue-collar because it's industrial, but it's also kind of wealthy because of that industry. So it has a little something for everyone, depending on what kind of team you like to root for. They are the Tigers, and who doesn't love those? They have won the Champions League of Asia two different times and are, in fact, the defending champions. Uh, they beat Persepolis just within the last several weeks, uh, two to one in a neutral site, to hoist that trophy once again. They've only won two league titles, and the most recent one was in 2005. And they've had a just slew of second-place finishes over the last you know, 15 years. Last year, in fact, they finished in second place. Uh, they have the second best offense and defense so far this year. And tied for second best in league scoring, the player to look for is Insung Kim, left winger. Was also very high in the overall uh, scoring stats table last year as well. 
Then we have Jeanbuk. They are the warriors from the city of Jeanjou. It's a little less than half the size of their opponents. In fact, uh, the overall metro area is really part rural and part urban. Uh, but that said, even though it's not the biggest, most cosmopolitan city, I sort of wish I had saved my food uh, segment for this particular one. We'll hit South Korea later in the season. This is the cultural uh, big gastro area in the country. If you go to South Korea and you're going for the food, Jeonbuk or Jeonju is where you're headed. They're also sponsored by Hyundai, incidentally. They, too, have won the Champions League title twice, most recently in 2016. They've got eight league titles to their credit, and they are the four-time defending champions. That's a big reason I wanted to do this one. Number one offense running, almost two and a half goals per match, and uh, they are tied with their opponents today for second-best defense. Number one score is a German player that they have. They don't have a lot of foreign players on these teams. They have a limit. I'm going to butcher his last name. Stanislav, I don't know how the J goes for this. Uh, Iljutschenko, I-L-J. U-T-C-E-N-K-O, 30-year-old striker. And another player to look for for this one, uh, every week, so uh, roughly two matches most of the time, they uh, announce what they call a league player of the round. And last time was this team's midfielder, Lee Sung-gi. So you have another name to look for in the box score. And now for the first of your three bonus matches. Now for all of these, Team Noob scours the globe's top flights looking for matches that qualify for each of these. I sling up the candidate matches on Twitter, you vote, and then the magic content happens. By the way, on Twitter, SoccerNoobUSA.com, that's N-O-O-B on the Noob part, as you might have guessed. Now, our first bonus match is a first versus last place matchup, and every week it's so darn awesome that it always needs Person Noob's special sound effect. Take it away, Noob Child. This is the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. There's my darling. And the one that you have voted for is a Sunday match for the route of the week. We head to North Macedonia, their first football league. It is rated number 38 in UEFA. That is up one from a year ago. And they've only got six matches to go in their regular season. And so soon we will be seeing no more of number 12, Belasica versus number one, Shkendia, who we will see a little bit more of, certainly, in the next Champions League. Uh, both have basically mathematically secured uh, last and first place, respectively. There would have to be uh, some serious weirdness happening for either of them to uh, lose or climb out of the predicament they're in. Shkendia, as you might imagine, won the first two matches of this league season. They won 2-0 at home and then whomped them 0-3 on the road. First, Let's take a look at your team roadkill of the week. Bella Sika, God bless them. They're the kangaroos. I'm pretty sure there are no kangaroos in the wild in Europe, let alone North Macedonia. No wonder they're having trouble. Can't even get a good mascot. Although, truthfully, he doesn't like kangaroos. What the heck? Uh, they are from the city of Strumica, which is in the southeast portion of the country. It's fairly close to the uh, border of both Greece and Bulgaria. It's the main agricultural center of the country. City proper is about 55,000. Uh, they actually do have a little bit of uh, international experience, much to my surprise. They made the Europa League twice in the early 2000s. Last year, they were in the second division, which is divided into east and west groups, and they finished number two, or number one in the east, rather, I should say, and hence got promoted. This is the second time this century that they've uh, had to get re-promoted, if you will. 2005-2006, they had uh, gone up and down. They went back uh, they went down as far as the third division. Can you even imagine such a thing in a small country like North Macedonia? Sounds ugly. Let's try not to. In any case, this year they are 4, 5, and 18. That is two fewer wins than any other team in the league and seven more losses. Just astounding. They don't even get a ton of draws. Uh, what little hope they have for this match probably rests at the feet of top 10 league score Antonio Kalinowski. Uh, they've got the worst offense by a lot. I don't know how much he can do. They are the only club in the league that scores uh, less than one goal per match and they are the uh, worst defense in the league by some two as they give up over two goals per match. Uh, meanwhile, your champions in waiting, Shkendia, which I've, uh, I think I've talked about them once before, but I never looked up the meaning. It, uh, the meaning, it means spark. So kind of a fun name for a club. 
virtually every team that this plays is a derby of some kind or other because uh, Shkendia, this area that they're from, is uh, populated largely by ethnic Albanians. So uh, they're, uh, they're very much at soccer odds with almost the entire rest of the nation, including this team. Uh, pretty good, though, for such a small country. Uh, uh, UEFA ranks them at uh, well inside the top 150 of all clubs. Uh, this year, they just got knocked out of the Europa League. They had managed to get all the way to the third qualifier round before they lost to the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, 2018-19 season was their best ever international finish. They made the Champions League third quarter round before they got outed by Austrian powers RB Salzburg. They've won the league title three different times, so they're a fairly new power and they are the two-time defending champions. Record right now on the season, 18-8 and just one loss. And no surprise there because they score almost two times per match, best in the league. And uh, they easily have the best defense in the league, only giving up about a two-thirds of a goal uh, match average. Number number one league scorer, uh, Bessart Ibrahimi. He is a striker, veteran, 34 years old, European longtime footy fans particularly if you follow the Bundesliga, might recognize his name as he played for Schalke back in 2010-11. Good luck to both, even though Schkendia won't need it, and all the luck in the world probably won't save the Kangaroos. Our second bonus match, I believe, is what sets this podcast truly apart from most any other. Most podcasts, including this one, like to spend their time looking at the top teams from various leagues. Sometimes we will even shine a light on the bottom teams that are in the relegation zone of their leagues. But what other podcast host has the heart to give some attention to two perfectly middling teams from some league that you have voted on? Teams that are perfectly equidistant from international berths in the top of their own tables and last place or the relegation zone of their leagues? Let's Let's sing the theme song daughter of mine could you be the most meaningless match in the world yes you could you're so boring <laughs> yes and the one you have selected takes us to australia a thursday morning matchup or at least morning for us in the a league now uh they play in the afc now as of a few years ago uh they used to be part of uh, the oceana football confederation but they wanted to up their competition this is rated as the number 11 afc league and there are really two tiers just so you know the top six are very very good and then there's a gap sort of inability and then there's the next five and uh australia bring up the rear of that second best tier in any case, they get one Champions League group stage berth, two Champions League playoff round berths. Uh, there's no relegation. They're set up like MLS in that way. The top four teams make their playoffs uh, for the league, and they're just over halfway through the season. And these teams don't have to worry about any of that stuff, hence the reason it's a meaningless match. Number eight, Western United FC taking on number nine, Wellington Phoenix. Western United trail Number three, Melbourne City by eight. So you can see that they're not probably going to be going anywhere up. And they lead Wellington Phoenix by two. Wellington Phoenix in turn lead last place Melbourne victory by seven. Lots of teams in between them. So not really much danger of finishing last place either. And the match, you'll be able to catch it on ESPN Plus if you want to get up early enough, 5.05 in the morning. Western United, this is just their second season in existence. They're in the uh, uh, comparatively new Melbourne suburb of Truganina. It's uh, 25,000, so they kind of represent the very western suburbs of Melbourne and then a lot of western part of Victoria, a lot of the regional towns. This is their club. Now, they have a match or two in hand if you were to look up the table compared to all the others. You might also notice that whether they win or lose really wouldn't change their position in the table more than one either direction so still a meaningless match last year they finished number five in the league almost made the playoffs uh this year they've got uh, the number seven offense going number five defense a gold differential of a perfectly meaningless one top 10 score so not so meaningless is basart Berisha, the one guy who might be able to get man of the match out of this one. Uh, he is a Kosovoan or Kosovar Albanian forward, a 35-year-old veteran. European footy fans might recognize him. He played for Arminio Bielefeld. I'm not sure if they were in the second Bundesliga or in uh, Bundesliga 1 at the time, but he played for them in 2010-11. 
Meanwhile, we have Wellington Phoenix. Wellington, of course, in New Zealand. They have their own Premier League, but this is uh, the only team in all of New Zealand that is fully professional, and so they happen to play their ball in Australia. And in fact, they are currently uh, living out their footy dreams in Australia. Thank you so much, COVID. They've had to relocate to Wollongong so they don't go back and forth, uh, which is a town in New South Wales. Last year, they finished number three, which was their best ever league finish in all of their 14 years in the A-League. Uh, they've got a top four offense, actually, but defense is where they really struggle. And uh, together, it makes for an even more meaningless goal differential of zero. So appropriate. They've also got a top 10 league score, and CONCACAF fans might recognize his name, uh, Ulysses Davila. He is a Mexican national, plays attacking midfielder, and he was with Santa Laguna of Liga MX from 2016 through 18. Here at the third bonus match, we truly finally reach the end of our podcast road, the dreaded number 13 match on the 10 to track. Yeah, 10, 13. We don't have to believe in math any more than we want to. I like my bonus matches. But as it's the number 13 match and such an unlucky number, we try to make it appropriate. We never end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with sadness, wailing and gnashing of teeth over two clubs that are worthy of our scorn. They occupy the last two places in their league table and have earned this terrible treatment as the match of Disappointed! Ooh, cowering fear at Kevin Sorbo's Herculean scorn for the match of Disappointed. So appropriate. And it is a Saturday match that you have voted for. We're headed to the Paraguayan Primera Division. Uh, there was actually like an eight-way tie or something like that between a whole mess of teams. There were 17 first versus last place matchups in the world. That's three times as many as I've seen some other weeks. Must be a full moon this week. I'll have to check the calendar. But in any case, I decided to break the tie by going to a confederation match that we hadn't visited this particular podcast. So sorry, Conmebol. Take what you can get. We're headed to Paraguay for the match. Disappointed. Now, uh, they do the relegation zone a little bit differently in Paraguay. The last place team gets kicked out. The second to last place team, uh, they play in what's called relegation playoff match. They have to play like the uh, second place team uh, from the second division in Paraguay for the right to potentially stay up. But what makes this somewhat unique, a few other Latin American countries do it this way, is they don't use a particular season. They keep a three-year running tab on the average number of points in the table earned per match. So it's a three-year table and the bottom two every year get relegated or face the possibility of relegation. And in any case, your giant future losers, they are tied in the table. Their first matchup was 1-1 draw. And the teams are number 10, Club River Plate versus number 9, Sol de America. A little bit about each. Uh, Club River Plate, uh, they play out of an area called Emburacao in Asuncion. Uh, they've actually got a little bit of history on their side, but it is ancient history. They have finished runner-up in the league three times. But you've got to go all the way back to 1930 to find the last time they finished that high. Uh, they have not spent, as you might imagine, anywhere near all this time at the top flight. They just recently got re-promoted back in 2016 uh, into this particular league. Uh, 2020 Clausura stage, they finished number 11. There are 10 teams in the league right now. There were 12 last year. Uh, this year, their record is just a nasty 1-3-7. and seven. They've only scored seven times, 22 is the number of goals they conceded. Worst offense and defense in the league. They really deserve to go down. Uh, on the scoring leaderboard, and for his sake, hopefully headed to a different club, Pablo Zabayos, an attacking midfielder, 35 years old. Uh, Cruz Azul is a club he has spent some time with, so if you follow Liga MX, you may recognize his name. And he also used to play for a much better club in Brazil called Botafogo. And uh, you only have to go back a decade. He was actually Paraguay's Player of the Year in 2011. Uh, meanwhile, Sol de America, they've got a fun nickname, at least. They are the uh, uh, Danzarines, the dancers. Not sure why. Maybe I'll look that up for next time, but it sounds fun. Uh, they are from Asuncion as well, but a completely different area called Barrio Abrero. And I'm not quite sure of the information that I was looking at. I should have double-checked it somewhere else. But even though this barrio or uh, town, district, suburb, it's only got, I think, like 20,000 people. Yet I think there are three 
first division teams and one professional non-first division team here. Uh, as far as the top flight, they also have Sarah Porteño and Nacional, I think. In any case, uh, Sol de America have won two league titles. Uh, the most recent one, 1991. Uh, they even made the Champions League quarterfinals all the way back in 1989. This year, not so much so. 1-3-7, and 11-17 uh, goal differential. They have a hard time closing out some games. They've had a lot of draws turned into losses. Their goal differential is number eight, so they should be doing better. And in fact, statistically, they're probably only the third worst team in the league this year. They're a little bit better than uh, Dose de Octubre is the name of the club right above them. Best player overall on the team, I suppose, could be a man of the match or something. If they even bother with something like that when it's these two teams, is a 22-year-old midfielder, Ivan, or Ivan Casal. Good luck to both teams, but not really, because you've been nothing but disappointed this entire season and for three years running. And that'll put a bow on episode 29 of the Tenda Track Weekly World Match Previews podcast. Thank you so much to the following. The management for his editing, production, and distribution duties. To Dan, the interno inferno for everything he does to support the program. To my dearest daughter, Persinoop, thanks so much. The real star of our podcast, as always. And to you, dear listener, Seriously, thanks so much. I know that there's a lot of content out there you can be checking out. You probably listen to a few other soccer podcasts. Our hope here is that uh, what you're hearing here is a little bit different than anything you find anywhere else. Hope you'll pass it on on social media. Tell your friends about it. We'd really appreciate it. And so until next time, new bites, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.